Yes. 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 Radio. Radio Free Wales. Yes. Hello, good evening and welcome to Radio Yes Cymru podcast and also on YouTube. We've got a very interesting conversation coming up today about the forthcoming Independence Summit, which is at the Brangwyn Hall in Swansea on Saturday 28th of uh, 2023, get used to saying that, uh, organised by the Melin Dravod, uh, but with support and speakers from Yes Cymru, Plaid Cymru, Labour for Indy, the Green Party uh, and others as well. So we have two guests tonight. Um, Colin Nosworthy, who's the founder of Melin Dravod, and Harriet Prithro, who's also been active in Melin Dravod under the uh, parts of the independence movement and also the Labour movement. So thank you both for making time to speak to us tonight on Radius. Can we start off with you, Harriet? Um, can you tell us briefly what uh, the, the event is, this summit is? Yeah, so we wanted to bring people from across the movement together to start having discussions around what independence is going to look like. You know, we've got fantastic marches that have been organised by All Under One Banner and Yes Cymru, which are really, really essential. But there is also another element of the debate that we felt needed to be had, which is getting into the, some of the nitty gritty around like policy discussions around what an independent Wales could look like. So that's what we're hoping to do on the day. We've still got tickets for sale. So if people want to buy tickets, please do so. And yeah, it looks to be a good event thus far. That's it. Yeah, and some I say the speakers are from across the broad section of the the independence movement. So the idea is that people who are maybe in the curious, not too sure, come over, and there's some meaty discussions going on there, uh, different subjects. So, Colin, just on on to you quickly, what is Melin Dravod, and then maybe go into some of the themes being discussed. Yeah, that's that's a good question, Sean. Um, Melin Dravod <laughs> is effectively <laughs> is effectively a think tank. Um, for the independence movement in a way. Um, it's kind of inspired by some conversations we had with a group called Commonweal up in Scotland yeah. about two or three years ago. Um, there they have a powerful think tank, which, you know, it doesn't just talk about independence, but it is explicitly independence. And, and I and a group of other people think that there's a real need to have that kind of um, in-depth look about what the practicalities are. And so... It's partly inspired by those conversations, but it's also about trying to broaden people's perspective on what independence means and trying to put some meat on the bones because um, there are a lot of choices that come with independence um, and we're not shy about saying we want those to be choices made from a left perspective, from a socialist perspective, but we are going to contribute to that conversation in a practical way and say, look, these are some of the answers that we could give to some of those questions. So, and it's about raising the bar about the, the level of the conversation that we have about those discussions as well. Yeah, and I think the timing is quite prescient, isn't it? Because there is a cost of living crisis. We've discussed this. Uh, it seems to me it's going to get worse over the next year. Uh, I'm not particularly looking forward to 2023. I face it with a bit of trepidation, i got to say. And I think, Harriet, some of the points which can be discussed here, which is obviously is offering people different vision of ways of how an independent Wales could to look. And also, I mean, in a way, that independence is a vehicle for change and maybe not not something of it of itself. How, how, would you agree with that? Or maybe say who is speaking? Yeah, and I think we've got a really exciting opportunity in front of us. The fact that in Scotland, these discussions have been had and people are feeling a bit, you know, worn out with where it is in Scotland. For us in Wales, we're in the unique position where we haven't been bruised by a referendum and it's all for the play-in. 
So I think it's a really important time for us to like have as many discussions as we can about what independence looks like. And people will have very different visions, which is why it's important to bring a broad range of people together in one room to discuss the, the limits or the possibilities of those different visions and how we can coalesce together around a progressive vision for Wales. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm excited by the speakers uh, organised. So we've got Adam Price from Play Company. Obviously, we we've got well, Colin. Maybe you can go through the speakers as you've been contacting and and getting people to speak. But I think it's a good cross section of people. And maybe tell us yeah, how the themes are. So there's a discussion yeah, about the economy, which is the big thing people always ask, don't they? Yeah, no, I think um, it's great that we have like um, the you know two major parties that are explicitly in favour of independence, along with Labour for Independence Wales. Um, because it provides that broad left perspective on what to have that discussion between. So that's, that's Plaid and the Green, Green Party. And Plaid the, and the Green Party. Adam, Adam Price from Plaid. Yes. Anthony Slaughter is the leader of the Green Party. And then Councillor Rachel Garrick from um, Labour for Independence. And then we also have, you know, um, the Chief Executive, yes, Cymru, Gwed Nevans. And someone from Indod, and we, and someone from Contexta Seath, um, and there's, and that's some of the speakers we've announced so far. We haven't um, announced the full lineup, but I think there's a, and also the chief executive of Commonweal in Scotland is coming to speak. So I think we'll have a very, very interesting discussion uh, between those those people um, and some of the other people we've lined up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting discussion. So, I mean, there's this, like three, if I remember, three main sessions to the, to the day. So, so the first one is about the economy. So obviously this is a big question people always ask. I'm, I'm not too sure if actually people listen to the answers after, but you know, people ask questions. So, I mean, who's speaking or what, what kind of themes are looking for that? And the other two sessions, Colin, maybe just to kick that off. Yeah, so um, we will have some economists contributing to this session about uh, finance. We haven't announced those those yet, but we are doing a lot of work in the background on those questions. And I think uh, that will be, you know, with recent publication of Professor John Doyle's report, I think there's a lot to be talked about, about the financial position and the economic position. Um, then on the Wales Transformed um, session, we have, you know, we're going to have a very interesting debate about environment and the nature of democracy between speakers from from the leader of the Green Party and the speaker from Condaitha CI and other speakers about the nature of foreign policy possibly going into that territory. And then when it comes to the discussion about the strategy of how we gain independence, that's where Adam Price, um, uh, Councillor Rachel Garrick and um, the other speakers will come in uh, to give a perspective on how they're going to deliver you know, what is the mechanism for delivering? I think, you know, interesting questions obviously been raised by the Supreme Court's verdict. Um, and and I know that it's what's interesting is that after we, almost at the same time as we were announcing the details of this summit, the SNP have announced a, what appears to be a similar summit in Scotland. So whether it's, you the know... Copy in a skull. What I think is interesting, isn't it, that they, they are reconsidering the strategy and, and we have a sort of... Ne- a more a kind of an interesting position where, you know, obviously we haven't held a referendum and that some, you know, there are different perspectives on what the nature of a referendum or whether there needs to be a referendum or what the mechanism is. And I think it'd be interesting particularly to hear from Labour for Independence about how they see the way forward because there are interesting questions for them about whether it's an internal party debate that, you know, they win the internal party debate 
um, or whether there's other means of achieving it. So I think that will be a very, very interesting debate, which I don't think we've ever really had between groups who are explicitly pro that debate about, oh, right, this is how we think we want to do it. Um, I, I certainly have never heard um, many other speakers sort of explicitly state how they how we're going to get there. Yes, Harris, because I mean, this is, well, you were up in Scotland during the 2014 uh, referendum, which does feel like a long time ago now. <laughs> um, but I mean, and and the timing is opportune because obviously the Supreme Court sort of put a span in. For, from my point of view, I'm quite happy because it gives us a bit more time to get out uh, or, uh, arguments in place. I mean, how do you think this whole argument, as Colin suggested, and how that the, how we're going to actually achieve independence is going to look? What do you expect to see, or maybe do you hope people to say in that discussion? Oh Lord! Um... <laughs> <laughs> that was a really hard question. I mean, um... I think I think we've always assumed that that, that there'd be. I think maybe after two thousand fourteen, we sort of assumed there'd be a referendum, and you know we'd have to you know, get out get out supporters out on the street knocking doors and stuff. And maybe that would still be the case. But I mean, most countries would become independent, actually have a vote in their local parliament or whatever it's called at the time, and then they declare independence and it's negotiated. And maybe this is what will happen. I mean, the Scotland obviously does have an impact on us, as you said to begin with. I mean, we haven't had that bruising, if you like, but also invigorating referendum campaign yet. Uh, we can learn some of the mistakes maybe the Scots made. I mean, maybe mm. you'd have some things you think we should learn or not copy from mm. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. And I think, actually, we should stop kind of chasing the tail of Scotland because I think we've seen from the Supreme Court now and where the independence movement actually is, where the energy has kind of been zapped from it in Scotland, that we need to fight this on our own and we need to make sure that we're, you know, putting the arguments forward for Wales as its own, oh, Colin's just gone, uh, Wales as its own entity rather than, you know, just looking to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, some of the lessons learned from there were, it was mind-blowing, right? In the last week, of the referendum, you saw this, you know, inverted commas, because it's been used in the Brexit discussions now, Project FIA, as yeah. some people were calling it, where all the, of the British establishment threw everything that they could yeah. at the idea of Scottish independence. And the major thing in the last couple of weeks was the currency. So yes. let's get that debate out of the way now. Let's yeah. have those discussions about finance now. Let's make sure we've got solid answers to be able to provide people around pensions, around mortgages about the bank of england about our own currency etc and get stuck in so we don't have to in the last minute have those thrown at us yeah so maybe that is one of the big well, the scots are from what i can gather still discussing what kind of currency we've had I and mean, interestingly today i think uh croatia has now extended into the eu and they've dropped the um the kuna that they currency and joined the euro so there's there's an interesting discussion to to be had about that. I mean, in terms of the way um, the independence movement is happening and is moving, I mean, this whole point of the Melian drama discussion is to try and bring different groups together to discuss this. There's, there's obviously a left-wing slant to it. That's that's the gig. Uh, people want to organise a, a different one with a different slant. People can do that as well, because, I mean, we need to have different voices. I mean, do you think that the, in the next coming year is the arguments for independence are going to become stronger because of maybe the cost of living crisis or are people going to say, look, 
there's going to be a general election in the UK in say eighteen months time or whatever it's going to be. Say that's in a year or so's time, and you know, let's give another chance that we may have um, a Labour government, and we don't need, really need to be worried about independence. Let's just give another chance to the Westminster government. I mean, your background is in the Labour Party. Do you feel that a lot, a lot of people will be thinking like that now, or are they are they still giving another chance, or are they looking for something different? I think they'd be foolish to pin it all on a Labour government, a Keir Starmer-led government in Westminster. We can see that the Labour Party now currently doesn't have the answers to some of the most radical questions that face us in terms of climate, in terms of an economy that is increasingly built for the rich, in terms of housing, increasingly becoming an asset, um, house prices going through the roof, tenants' rights um, not being served in the in the right way. So I think pinning your hopes on a Keir Starmer-led Labour government in Westminster would be pretty foolish. I personally am of the belief that we need a major rupture to the politics of these islands to be able to fundamentally assess what type of a society we want to live in. Now, a Labour government in Westminster is not going to do that. We need an opportunity to be able to have really fundamental questions about who we want our society to run for who we want our economy to run for what type of a do we want to live in a society that you know prioritizes nuclear weapons that prioritizes militaristic wars across the world or do we want to live in a type of society that doesn't all of these questions need to be had and we're not going to do that by the Labour party when in the next election so you think in a, in a way even if people are not too sure about independence at the moment wouldn't it be worth them turning up in any case but i mean they need to be looked in discussions because you don't think, and I don't I tend to agree with you, obviously, but I mean, that there isn't going to be the kind of change in Westminster that is incapable of the kind of change almost um, that needs to happen for this huge shift in, in power, which means also in yeah. economy uh, from yeah. where it is now. So, I mean, if uh, there is a, a general election in the UK in, let's say, 18 months' time or whatever, uh, Labour win. There is big questions then is, you know, would they allow a referendum in Scotland, assuming that the SNP sweeps the board there? Mm. And you know, what happens to Wales then? Or do, how do we game plan this? And again, this is part of the whole point purpose of the, the conference is, what do we do? do? Do you think there'd be some kind of united front in Wales of Scots vote for independence and Ireland's maybe looking to reunite or now we're looking at realignment or do people need to vote differently? Or what do you think? Yeah, the question of whether Labour would allow a referendum is a really fundamental one, and I don't see any signs that they currently would. My yeah. feeling is that the centre of the party will try and gain, will we'll once gain power, will try and hold on to it as much as they can, and that'll mean that they'll need the vote from Wales, and, well, not even Scotland anymore, but particularly Wales, so I doubt that they would offer us a referendum, which is why I say pinning your hopes on that government would be pretty foolish. And also it depends what you want, right? It depends like what you want out of independence and what your vision for a Wales is. If your vision, if your future vision for a Wales is something that transforms the society we live in, then you need to go through a transformational process. Yeah. Sadly, just like the Labour government, I'm going to get kicked out of the Labour Party every time I do a podcast. <laughs> I, I am on the verge of getting thrown out. Um, just to let uh, you know, um, Sean, that Colin is in the waiting room. Apologies to right, the okay. listeners. Oh, Colin it's... got kicked out and he's in the waiting room. Let me just let Colin back in. Um, I hope we can get him in here. Right, I'd miss Colin. So he should be joining now. So, yeah, so, so I think the point you make, uh, 
hardly it does. You know, if Wales is to see a transformation, it needs to be a transformation somehow in the ballot box, but also beyond that, isn't it? I think this is where mm-hmm. the common wheel, I think, has been instrumental in the way a lot of people in Wales are thinking it, that they're trying to put out different ideas, trying to work in different ways, trying to do different things to try and bring together. So, Colin, we were just discussing how you know, how the, the course of independence may actually happen. You know, are we going through a referendum or is it going to be a vote on, you know, what, the, what will happen possibly with the Labour government if they win the next general election in the UK? I mean, and, and Harriet's point, which I think was very salient, was you basically, if we need to see a different kind of Wales in the post-independence, it would have to be a different kind of Wales leading up to that, because we, we just don't create the structures and the, the networks for it to happen. So is that what you're hoping to hear from you know the, the common wheel people from Scotland coming down to Swansea? Well, I think I think Commonweal has said something quite. Um, I said quite some quite blunt things about the lack of direction in Scotland. About the, I read the article recently. I think this is in their recent book about how the campaign needs to be taken out of the hands of the SNP and put back in civic society, which is kind of interesting uh, comment because I think actually we are forced to do that because there is no obvious split political um party political vehicle current there's no majority in the senate if you like for yeah. that so we're kind of forced into that position um you know and maybe that's fortunate in a way i think <clears throat> i think my view about it is that the exact mechanism is perhaps a secondary question to where i agree with harriet about building the society this and particularly the civic society that is worthy of independence. I don't know whether worthy is the right word, but I think is, is and mature isn't the right word either, but I think you know what civic and civil and society as a whole will look like when it's prepared and once independence. And I don't, I think we're getting there, but I don't think we're quite there. But I think that Melin Dravod is one of the elements that, that we need. Can I come in on that? Yes. So one of the things that really uh, shook me when I was in Scotland was the level of political education through the process of the referendum. I remember there was a question time of 16-year-olds on the BBC, and it was one of the most politically fluent things I had ever seen. And my mind was blown The 16-year-olds had such a high level of education. Now, I don't think we in Wales should wait for a short campaign or a long campaign to be called in the run-up to a referendum before we raise the level of political education, which is probably why uh, all of us three got involved with an organisation like Melin Dravod, is that political education to understand what we want from the society that we're going to build is incredibly important. Yes, and I mean, and we, we can't, we will know that there's a, such a big section of Welsh society don't interact with Welsh media in any way. Uh, so they very easily can be swayed by Project Fear. Uh, and that happens over a very long period of time. So we need to be having discussions in, in you know, and going out to people. I know that's what a lot of people are doing. That's what, yes, can we do it with leafleting with a newspaper and stuff like that? Because we need to have this ongoing campaign for years and a week before we're even ready for a referendum, I think. So, I mean, just to mind, Melin Dravid is the Welsh word for, I think, tanking literally means a um, discussion mill. Yeah. So, I mean, um, so the, the, the conference 
in Swansea on 28th of uh, January, the brand been very nice hall, so it's not a dank village hall, as many people in the national movement and I'm sure the broad socialist movement are used to. Here is quite a nice place to go. Um, but I think it's £8 to to register call, isn't it? Um, to the fee, the fee is obviously paying. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's £4 for the unwaged, £8 for the But It's a nice um, place, and I think it's, it's important that we, we as a movement, a broad movement, do lift up our expectations of ourselves as well to have to, to give the dignity to our discussion to hold uh, meetings in, in nice places as well Carl, you were going to come in with something there um i think what i was going to say is that i agree with harriet's point about what was interesting you know the level of turnout i think was 86 percent in the referendum itself and i i certainly felt you could sort of feel that um, in get level of engagement, I went to a public meeting myself, and the level of engagement was in, was incredible. It was a cultural shock, but I do think I do think Harriet's right that we can, you know, if we treat people seriously, I think we will get the level of engagement, and I think I think it's a very good way of looking at it. How can we get that level of engagement and that level of discussion up to a level which, and it's not work deserves. I think we all deserve independence when we've re re reached that level of, in of political engagement and education. And I think that's definitely within our grasp. Yeah. I mean, um, you, sorry, you sorry. There's this old anarchist phrase, and I'm not an anarchist, but there's an old anarchist phrase that rings in my mind whenever we have this discussion. And it's this that idea of being prefigurative about the society that you want to build. Now we have the opportunity now to be pre—I can't even say it—prefigurative about the Wales that we want to create, and I don't think it's a hard discussion to have, right? I think we can have it on a very political level and talk about it, um, you know, kind of at a certain degree, or we can have a very simple discussion about fairness, and that can be fairness within the United Kingdom, fairness at home in terms of how you're treated economically by your employer, etc. Fairness about how much say you have over the government that you elect. Fairness in terms of who the economy is run for. These are quite simple discussions, but we just need to learn to get in the habit of having them and knowing our answer to to what people might pose to us. And I think there's, a, there's an element of demystifying some of the things which, you know, appear on their face to be very complicated questions that only people in London can deal with, um, which aren't in reality. Now, there is a certain element of, oh, we want to keep, we want to make this look complicated and hard and yeah. beyond people because it, yeah. it disempowers people. Well, um, that's part of the reason for the mystique around Westminster, is it, is it buys into the idea that, that, that there's some kind of magic about running a country when it's not really magic lots of countries do it over 200 countries do it in different sizes and it's not magic it's just you know working and stuff and some common sense and, and having values about what you want your country to look like i mean i, I just want to bring in so the briefly the the current center that we have we've got 10 minutes left of discussion you know i mean one thing we felt when i was um chair yes company we saw huge the level of support uh, during the COVID because I mean, for the first time, a lot of people saw that the, what the Welsh government did, what the Senate did, and how that actually impl impacted them on their daily lives. And so, having a successful Senate, I think, is also very important for the success of the independence movement. That's something which is beyond our control, unfortunately. Um, but it, how do you think that works, especially how it with, maybe with your hat close to the Labour Party? I mean, mm. we need. And this is the big problem for play coming to some extent. You know, they, 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 they need 
the what Labour government and the Senate to be a good one, don't they? Uh, because then people can see that we can do things differently. Other decisions taken, you know, do you think within the Labour family, do you think is that there's an eye on that? Are they think, okay, we need to make this project work, not only for our own selves, but also for, you know, the, the, the good name of the institution? Does that sort of factor in at all, do you think? Interesting. I think a lot of politicians are narcissists, so <laughs> it's, in, it's in the self-interest of a lot of MSs to yeah. want to have a Senate that works, otherwise they undermine their whole existence and their job. Yeah. But in terms of Clyde and Labour's position within the Senate, I actually think, and this might be a controversial thing to say, that we our movement benefits from the fact that it's not, as in Scotland, all within one political party. I think the discussion becomes a lot broader and a lot more normalised, and we can normalise it with the general public, the fact that it does filter into different political parties. I think we need to see a lot more pro-independence candidates from the Labour Party being able to get further and get into the Senate. Imagine having, you know, Labour pro-independence backbenchers. They probably remain backbenchers for the whole of their career due to that fact. And they probably will have a very difficult political career because of the position they take on that. But I think that would be really transformative in terms of creating a political block with inside the Senate to be able to have these discussions in a grown-up way instead of us being treated like nutters, which is <laughs> tends to what happens in certain Labour Party circles. You are treated as if you're, yeah. you know, you're going off to the loony house or something. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem is that once there are people like uh, Chris Bryant and, and, and Kinnock and Joe Stevens elected, you know, they're basically stopping other people coming in. They're they literally voting his powers and money for the Senate coming through with things like ballot for and we know from HS2 and stuff. So that is a so that is a huge problem, isn't it? Because there's a bed blocking there, which is in, it makes it impossible to move stuff. Yeah. And, um, and then you know the, the Senate doesn't literally doesn't have powers to do stuff. In, in we're looking at criminal uh, and judiciary and policing with lots of good stuff we could be doing, which I think there is consensus for in ways across the parties. They're mm. not being done because those aren't devolved, and if they're not going to be devolved in Labour government yeah. in two years' time, then we we can't get to grips with those. I think there's a really interesting tension within the party between the Westminster MPs for Labour and the West and the Labour MSs because their interests are kind of strategically different, which kind of, this is the whole argument, right? Is that you've got Labour MPs that will actively vote against the interests of their colleagues in the Senate on key issues and giving them more powers. Now, yeah. a party that houses those two different conflicts is really interesting. And there is in Labour Conference a kind of, um, what's the word, Where you, like turning your nose up uh, towards the Westminster Labour MPs. It's kind of like, oh, they, there's like an unspoken air of them actively trying to undermine. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm definitely getting thrown out of the Labour Party now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they are undermining. And, you know, they're, they're literally taking money away from the Senate as well by voting not to devolve HS2. So, I mean, there is a huge question there about people putting their own ministerial careers in Westminster uh, and a belief in the myth of Westminster before actually practical answers which we could develop here. In words, if we had control over the judiciary and, and policing and get, get rid of some of the big big injustices going on there. Um, rather than getting Harriet kicked out, <laughs> we move to you, Colin. Uh, we don't have too much time left. I mean, what? so what do you, at the end of this conference, what, what would a happy Colin Noseworthy look like, uh, you know, with kind of discussion? What would you like to see coming out of it? Yeah, I, th I think a more informed debate, I think, 
I think the the people who have come have gained information and gained a sort of ability and a confidence to debate some of the these issues. I think that on one level, I think that will be a success. I also think, you know, if we get some attention to how the debate is moving on and the emphasis on the cross-party, cross-movement um, cross nature of the independence cause, um, I personally want to see, hear those answers about how we're going to get to independence from some of some of the groups. You know, I have, <laughs> so I, I have some scepticism about whether certain political parties will ever deliver this and what the mechanism is so i'm really interested to hear what some of the speakers say about their strategy um and i think one of the things i want to see eventually develop is that coherent strategy because i think we have an opportunity to do that if we work together um correctly and in a comradely spirit which you know from time to time has been missing from various national movements but i think that you know that is a key, isn't it? Is that is that um, respectful working together on the basis of um, of respect that um, I think will make a difference? Because I think that once you have that, it's impenetrable. You know, if people are willing to put the cause first and individual interests second, then I think um, we're definitely on to a winner. I, I mean, just to, to wrap up, I know. Um... Mel and Drava have other things sort of lined up for the, the coming months and year or so. Uh, there is a publication on the economy coming out, so that's something to look forward to. When, when do you think that'll be ready, Carl? And uh, what else have you got lined up? Yeah, so we're definitely having a discussion about broadcasting uh, in the spring, and there will be discussion in the Estadvod. Um, I was certain of that. Can't really share many details of the paper, but I will. I will. I, w I think it was quite. A, I think it's. It was. Um, I find it interesting reading the interim report from the Welsh Government Commission on the Constitution and one of the questions that some of the questions they posed to independence campaigners. And I would recommend. There's only about five questions there. I would recommend having a look at those because I think um, it's interesting to just put that test to the United Kingdom and whether it passes the standards yeah. the Welsh Government is setting for a yeah. it's a viable state. And I think. Um, the UK doesn't meet the tests, yeah. so um, uh, and, and if there was a yes, if there was a referendum to join the UK, would Wales vote to join the UK? Today? I think, ironically, they definitely wouldn't pass the Welsh Government Commission test for whether we should join, yeah. and I think that is an interesting reverse question that we yes. should be posing to the to them. Is because you know you're saying stay in this, or some of you are saying stay in this, but would you pass your own tests? I don't think they would. So yeah, I'm, I think I think it'll be an excellent event. I think they're really exciting speakers. Um, but I think we can only gain by having that really mature, intense debate. Yes. Well, Colin Osworthy, uh, Harriet Prezro Sultani, uh, on behalf of Melin Drawer, thanks for spoke, speaking to Radio Yes Company. It's been a, a great discussion. I say Radio Yes Company is on Facebook. It's also on podcast. So follow us on 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 your podcast app. Uh, the conference, the summit on independence, was being held on Saturday, twenty eighth of uh, January at the Brangwyn Halls, a nice place in Swansea City. It's an all day event, but not in the evening. Eight pounds for the wage, four pounds for the end wage. It does include um, doesn't include uh, lunch, but there are plenty of places you can support the local economy uh, lunchtime. So until the next. Um, Yes, Radio Yes Company podcast. Take care. I'll put a link to the Melian Dravod event below with this. Uh, we hope to see you at the Melian Dravod discussion. 
uh, and we hope to see maybe hear again from Colin and, and Harriet to see how things develop in the future. But Colin, thanks a lot, Harriet, for making your time this evening. Yes, 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 yes Cumbria Radio. Yes. 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 Yes.